once upon a time, in Unitarian Universalist circles, it was not uncommon to hear us speak of being the religion about, no, the religion of Jesus rather than the religion about Jesus. We identified with the model of life in which a man sought out the outcasts to befriend and comfort, to serve and empower the gentle spirit who spurned materialistic uh, orientations. We felt some familiar resonance with teachings like love thy neighbor as thyself or do unto others as we would have them do unto us or turn the other cheek or blessed being peacemakers. We could believe that the greatest of all things was love. We could consider the lilies of the field and the fowls of the air and think It mattered what kind of soil we were for the seeds of spirit. But somewhere along the way, whether or not we had cruel encounters with institutions or individuals, many seem to have become irritated by the way others employed teachings, the same teachings from the same source. Their use of the stories and ideas and perhaps overuse of some of the language, as well as their timing in using some of the language, um, or believed lack of timing in doing so, somehow began to move us away from claiming that language or being as comfortable using those stories to talk about the ways we wanted to be in the world. The song that the choir did for the offertory was the prayer of St. Francis. And St. Francis was known as um, someone in the Catholic tradition who tried to imitate the life of Jesus rather than to spend all of his energy um, accumulating power. Sometimes we became dismissive of perspectives professed by others with whom our views were not well aligned. In a presumption of greater understanding, we lost sight of the virtues and gifts we had found therein. And the language and teachings that were at very least a part of our Unitarian and Universalist heritage inched farther and farther off our screens Excuse me, and, and out of our comfort zones. Now, all of that is, of course, way oversimplified, generalized, and consequently inaccurate. 
That version paints a particularly unflattering portrait of us. Now that I may have offended and insulted you and thereby gotten your attention, let me backpedal just a little bit. In our hunger for knowledge, in our passions for justice, in our quest for what is true and right, holy and good, fair and beautiful, generative, we have kept peeling away layers and setting aside many things, not just those stories, but many things that have held meaning for us at some point along our path. To quote Paul Simon, and so you see I've come to doubt all that I once held as true. I stand alone without belief. The only truth I know is you. In the setting aside, we forgot that those lessons we decided we had learned are not the lessons others have gleaned from that same information, those same stories. We have sometimes forgotten that our experience and our spiritual truth, as we may be given to understand the truth, does not appear the same from other perspectives. We've sometimes failed to remember what incredibly effective instruments of hope those stories are for entire peoples who have been oppressed, are being oppressed. And the fortitude that it affords them Why would we ever want to try to take that away? Some of these people have actually developed profound and personal relationships with their experiences that may not be like ours. And who are we to doubt their experiences? Or to try to say that their hope isn't justified. And furthermore, if you're among those who have either set aside the meaning that those stories once held for you, or who have never found meaning and value in those stories, I'd like to invite you to consider this question. In what do you now anchor your hope 
I could offer a number of expressly Unitarian Universalist answers, but my telling you these things would not likely have an immediate effect on how hopeful or hopeless you feel. Because while my word offerings may enter your thoughts, they probably won't alter the underlying beliefs right off the bat. For example, I can share with you that James Luther Adams, arguably the greatest Unitarian theologian of the 20th century, declared that the resources, divine and human, that are available for achievement of meaningful change justify an attitude of ultimate, but not necessarily immediate, optimism. There's hope in the ultimate abundance of the universe. I can enthusiastically report that the universalist minister and transcendentalist Theodore Parker preceded Martin Luther King Jr. by a hundred years in proclaiming that the arc of the moral universe may be long, but it bends toward justice. If, however, Underneath all of that, you believe there really is no hope for humankind or for the planet or for you. Those words and deeds and ideas will not alter the depths of your spirit. I very recently heard someone share an idea that I think sums this point up rather neatly. Um, this person said that beliefs come before feelings. If somebody says something and that hurts my feelings, my belief about what they said has more to do with how I'm going to feel than the words that they said. I can intellectually comprehend that someone who is very dear to me will never understand or really see me or an idea that is very important to me. That does not automatically keep me from believing that they should see me for who I am or honor that which I value. Nor does it stop me from striving for what I believe, I believe to be the right outcomes. But where I'm right, the ground is hard and flowers will not bloom in the spring. Working a wide variety of angles and strategies to achieve the results that seem only reasonable to me moves me no closer to changing the underlying belief that is keeping me trapped in that circle.
I can keep hoping things will be different next time. I can know that they won't be. But until I come to believe that I don't have to fight that battle anymore and come to reach a new fundamental understanding of the situation before me, I will remain engaged in something that, in fact, is hopeless. In Buddhism, one is taught that freedom from suffering comes through following the Eightfold Path. One tenet of the Eightfold Path is having right understanding, otherwise described as right view or right vision. Again, I ask, where is the language of hope in which you believe? James Finley, who was a cohort of the monk Thomas Merton, uh, tells us, when we seek what is truest in our own tradition, we discover we are one with those who seek the truest in their tradition. I really try to maintain an intention and commitment to grow in spirit, as suggested in our third principle. I work at staying open to new understandings And though it is certainly challenging, I find these days that it often lands me with my feet in two different worlds that are not easily reconciled. But it gives me new understanding about each of them. And whether or not that makes me more effective in the world around me, it makes me... I think, a cleaner instrument for change. I've come to have deep faith in something beyond my comprehension. That I am personally comfortable at times, calling God, Ihidaya, perfect oneness. I I understand it to be perpetually moving everyone and all of life toward wholeness, making every effort with circumstances and biology and our choices ever to move us toward wholeness. I believe what my experiences have shown me and what for me 
has become undeniable. Doesn't mean I think it needs to be for you. But that faith, which I experience as a kind of of knowingness, confirmed over and over for me, gives me hope at a certain level that I can only believe is unshakable. I expect it to be unshakable. I have, on, upon occasion, had the barest glimpse of what I interpret as Dr. King's mountaintop, like through a glass darkly, something incredibly ephemeral. If I reach out and try to make it more substantial, it's gone. But the impressions are lasting and they stay with me. And they've happened enough that I've come to have some trust in them. I know. I understand that life circumstances and lessons and experiences do not have, do not in many of your lives support those ideas. I get that. Your journey is your own. And as you've heard me say time and time again, The most essential piece, I think, of that journey is being in integrity with yourself, with your soul, with your spirit, with the things that are undeniable for you right now. And they may all change. I'd like to challenge you then to find a way to suspend disbelief. The story of Christianity is one of forgiveness. The story of Buddhism is one of letting go. The story of Unitarian Universalism is one of openness to change. The 14th Dalai Lama said, every change of mind is first of all a change of heart. Until such time arrives that we become more adept at speaking and sharing our own language of hope, let us honor those traditions whose models help so many And again, find ways to be teachable and learn from those who stand solidly in their own traditions. 
19th century universalist minister, John Murray, who at the time was the most popular preacher in the whole United States, suffered from depression throughout his lifetime. But John Murray said, I believed that I had nothing to hope, but everything to fear, but from my creator, from my father, and these soul appalling considerations by forcing a conclusion that I was but making provision for alternate torture through a cloud over innocent enjoyment. And through that, he came to tell us, charge us with the task of giving people hope, not hell. He said, give them not hell, but hope and courage. We have been charged by our forebearer to love the hell out of the world. got to have hope and faith to do that.